You're listening to DNA ID, brought to you by Abject Entertainment. Be sure to check out some of the other great true crime podcasts from this network, including The Murder in My Family, Missing Persons, Beyond Bizarre True Crime, Zodiac Speaking, Scene of the Crime, Three Men and a Mystery, and All Things Crime. All of these podcasts are available for you to binge on right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe where you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. special bonus episode, DNA ID Year in Review. In the first season of DNA ID 2021, I covered 24 cold cases that were solved using the modern technique that is changing the crime-solving game, forensic genealogy. I started this podcast because I felt as though while these cold cases got a burst of superficial media coverage when they were finally closed, there was a lack of in-depth coverage of the victim, the killer, and how their paths crossed on that fateful day years or decades ago. And what I found in covering these 24 cases was fascinating. All of the victims were women and girls who were just going about their everyday lives when their killers struck, although some of them may have known or been acquainted with their murderers. The killers, meanwhile, ran the gamut from spree killers to serial sexual predators to the most interesting of all in my mind, the one-offs, as Paul Holes called them in our early 2021 conversation. The guys who killed once and never again that we know of. In this Year in Review mini-episode, I'm going to recap the episodes by grouping the cases under distinct categories of victimology. It's an interesting exercise to try to get a better understanding of why these cases went unsolved for so long and what motivates people to kill. Okay, so the first category is Stranger Crimes of Opportunity. In these cases, our victim, a woman or girl, is just at the wrong place at the wrong time and is preyed on by someone who is, to our knowledge, not known to them in any way. They are Jody Loomis. Jody was riding her bike to see her horse in Snohomish County, Washington, and was attacked, raped, and shot to death by Terrence Miller, someone she did not know. Jessica Baggin. The teen was walking home from her own birthday party late at night in Sitka, Alaska, when she was attacked, raped, and asphyxiated by Stephen Allen Branch, someone she did not know. Michelle Martinko. Michelle was leaving the Westdale Mall in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, when she was attacked and stabbed to death in her car by Jerry Lynn Burns, someone she did not know. Pam Milam. The college student was walking to her car parked on the OSU campus late at night when she was attacked, raped, and strangled by Jeffrey Lynn Hand, someone she did not know. Pam Falcons. Pam was working the night shift at Crossroads Video in Greenbrier, Arkansas, when she was abducted, raped, and bludgeoned by Edward Keith Renegar, someone we are almost certain she did not know. Helene Brzezinski. The college student was walking home from a bus stop in Englewood, Colorado, when she was abducted, raped, and stabbed to death by James Curtis Clanton, real name Curtis Allen White, someone she did not know. Deborah Dalzell. Deborah was raped and strangled in her own home in Sarasota, Florida by Luke Fleming, someone she did not know. 
Marcy Belez. 12-year-old Marcy was last seen at a teen and young adult party in Spokane, Washington. She was raped and stabbed to death by Clayton Carl Giese, someone she did not know. Le Bictui. Scientist Lee was walking home from the metro in Rockville, Maryland, when she was attacked, raped, and strangled and bludgeoned by Kenneth Earl Day, someone she did not know. April Tinsley. Eight-year-old April was walking to a friend's house to get her umbrella in Fort Wayne, Indiana, when she was abducted, raped, and strangled by John Miller, someone she did not know. Linda Ann O'Keefe. 11-year-old Linda was walking home from school when she was sexually assaulted and strangled by James Allen Neal, real name James Albert Layton Jr., someone she did not know. Then there is the group of victims that may have been acquainted with their killers, even if it was just that they had a common connection, such as a workplace or neighborhood. But we just don't know for sure what their relationship was, if any. They are Jennifer Watkins. Jennifer was working in Memorial Hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado, when she was attacked, raped, and strangled by Ricky Seavers, someone she may have been acquainted with through their mutual employment at the hospital. Susan Eads. Susan was raped and strangled in Seabrook, Texas, by Arthur Ray Davis Jr. Susan may have run across her killer at the bar she was at that night, where a man was seen bothering her. And she may have even met him before, as the captain of a boat charter she worked, which left her feeling uneasy. Evelyn Derricott Evelyn was bludgeoned to death in her home in Tuella, Utah, by Rogelio Diaz Jr., who was an occasional visitor to her neighbor's home, offered to carry Evelyn's groceries, and may have mowed her yard. Carolyn Cox Rose. Carolyn was raped and strangled in a vacant house she was selling in Pensacola, Florida by Julius William Hill Jr. We have no idea whether Hill and Carolyn had any previous contact, but her own professional protocols dictated that she would not meet alone with someone she did not know. Mary Silvani. Mary was sexually assaulted and shot to death on the Sheep's Flat area of Mount Rose in Nevada by James Richard Curry. We have no idea what the relationship was between the married Curry and Mary, if any. Christy Marak Christy was attacked, raped, and bludgeoned in her home right before Christmas in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, by Raymond Rowe. Rowe worked as DJ Freeze in a regular gig at a club Christy was known to frequent, and a free admission card, the type that Rowe was privileged to hand out, was found in her wallet. We don't know whether Rowe and Christy had interacted at all, or if he was just stalking her from afar. Barbara Blatnick. Barbie was sexually assaulted, beaten, and strangled in Garfield Heights, Ohio by James Elton Zastonic. Police believe that it is possible that James and Barbie were acquainted from the neighborhood, but they just don't know for sure. Then there is a group of victims who were definitely acquainted with their killers. Fawn Cox was raped and strangled in her bed by her own first cousin, Donald Cox Jr. She definitely knew him well. He spent a lot of time at her family's home in Kansas City, Missouri. Tracy Hammerberg left a party late in the evening and set out to walk several miles home in Ozaukee County, Wisconsin. It is believed that she accepted a ride from a schoolmate, Philip Cross, who raped and bludgeoned her and dumped her body in a driveway. Jody Sarin apparently invited her killer, David Mabrito, into her home in Carlsbad, California. The police found evidence that they had shared cups of tea before Mabrito bludgeoned Jody and raped her dead body. Investigators feel it's likely they met at a shelter, at the beach, or at a counseling center. Shantae Blankenship accepted a ride from someone her mother knew well, whom she was acquainted with, and who attended the same church as her family in Brownsville, Texas. 
Ryan Riggs raped and bludgeoned Shantae and dumped her in the basement of an abandoned home. He told police that he had harbored murder fantasies for a long time. Gwen Miller was believed to have come across her killer, who was a boarder at the home of Gwen's neighbor and hairdresser, in her weekly visits to have her hair done. A frequent traveler, she also likely encountered him at the airline ticket window she frequented in Rapid City, South Dakota. Holly Cassano lived in the same trailer park as her killer, Michael Henslick, and he dated her cousin. The two had met and were acquainted enough to say hello, although it remains unknown whether she invited him into her home on the night she was killed in Muhammad, Illinois. Now let's discuss the killers. It's fascinating to consider what type of people they were, whether they killed multiple times or were one-offs, and what their eventual fates were. Terrence Miller, who killed Jody Loomis, was arrested and put on trial for her murder. He shot himself right before the jury announced a guilty verdict. He is not known to have any other murder victims, but he did have a history of sex crimes. Steve Branch, whose DNA was found on Jessica Baggin, shot himself in his truck right after police arrived at his property to question him about her murder. He is not known to have any other homicide victims, but he was suspected of raping another woman in Alaska. Ray Rowe, who killed Christy Marac, was convicted of her murder and will spend the rest of his life in prison, assuming his pending motions to retract his guilty plea and to conduct additional DNA testing do not result in overturning his conviction. His post-conviction relief petition will be addressed in an upcoming hearing, and he recently testified that he and Christy had consensual sex, even though in his interviews with detectives he repeatedly denied even knowing her. He is not known to have any other murder victims. Donald Cox Jr., whose DNA was found on his cousin Fawn Cox, died of a drug overdose before he was identified as her murderer. He is not known to have any other murder victims. Jerry Burns, who killed Michelle Martinko, was convicted of her murder and will spend the rest of his life in prison, assuming his current appeal based on the constitutionality of the DNA seizure fails. His case is being supported by the ACLU, and there may be oral arguments pertaining to his appeal. He is not known to have any other murder victims, but he did have lots of murder porn on his computer. Philip Cross, whose DNA was found on Tracy Hammerberg, died of a drug overdose before he was identified as her murderer. He is not known to have any other murder victims. David Mabrito, whose DNA was found on Jody Sarin, died of a drug overdose before he was identified as her murderer. He is not known to have any other murder victims. Jeffrey Lynn Hand, whose DNA was found on Pam Milam, died in a police shootout unrelated to Pam's murder before he was identified as Pam's killer. He also murdered at least two other people and attempted to abduct another woman. Ricky Sievers, whose DNA was found on Jennifer Watkins, died in a car crash before he was identified as her murderer. He is not known to have any other murder victims. Keith Renegar, whose DNA was found on Pam Falcons, died of cancer before he was identified as Pam's killer. He is not known to have any other murder victims, but he had a history of violence toward women. James Clanton, who killed Helene Prusinski, was arrested and pled guilty to Helene's murder and will spend the rest of his life in prison. He is not known to have any other murder victims, but he has a history of sex crimes. He told investigators that he was a serial killer of one, meaning that he had to fight his urge to kill after Helene's murder. Arthur Davis, whose DNA was found on Susan Eads, died in a car crash before he was identified as her killer. He is not known to have any other murder victims. Ryan Riggs, who killed Shantae Blankenship, was convicted of her murder and will spend the rest of his life in prison. 
He is not known to have any other murder victims, but he told investigators that he fantasized about murdering women. Eugene Fields, whose DNA was found on Gwen Miller, died of cancer before being identified as her killer. He is not known to have any other murder victims, but he had a history of violence toward women. Luke Fleming, who killed Deborah Dalzell, was convicted of her murder and will spend the rest of his life in prison after his conviction was affirmed on appeal. He is not known to have any other murder victims, but he was found to have a lot of granny porn on his computer. Clayton Giese, whose DNA was found on Marcy Belez, died in a car crash before he was identified as her killer. He is not known to have any other murder victims. Michael Henslick, who killed Holly Cassano, was convicted of her murder and will spend the rest of his life in prison. He is not known to have any other murder victims, but had a history of violence toward women. Rogelio Diaz, who killed Evelyn Derricott, was convicted of her murder and will spend 30 years in prison. He is not known to have any other murder victims, but had at least one allegation of rape against him. Kenneth Day, whose DNA was found on Lee Bick Twee, died of a drug overdose before he was identified as her killer. He is not known to have any other murder victims, but was known to have at least two other rape victims and several attempted rape victims. Julius Hill, whose DNA was found on Carolyn Rose, died in prison after a fight or an attack on him. He is not known to have any other murder victims, but is suspected as the possible killer of Sherry Mash. He had a history of armed robbery. John Miller, who killed April Tinsley, was convicted of her murder and will spend the rest of his life in prison. He is not known to have any other murder victims. James Curry, whose DNA was found on Mary Silvani, died after a suicide attempt before he was ever identified as her killer. He is known to have murdered at least three other people and is suspected in the disappearance and presumed murder of a fourth. James Neal, whose DNA was found on Linda O'Keefe, was arrested for her murder but died of cancer while awaiting trial. He is not known to have any other murder victims but has a history of molestation of at least five other victims. James Zastonic, whose DNA was found on Barbie Blatnick, was arrested for her murder but died of cancer while awaiting trial. He is not known to have any other murder victims but had a history of indecent exposure. So, to recap, that makes three killers who took their own lives, four killers who died of overdoses, three killers who died in car crashes, four killers who died of cancer, and two killers who died after violent interactions. Of the 24 killers I covered this past season, eight were arrested alive and their cases adjudicated to completion. Four pled guilty to the crimes they were accused of, and the four who made it to trial were all found guilty. I can't help noting that four of the killers were named James, 16.66% of the group, and two of them had the middle name Lynn. Very odd. And that's the year in review for season one of DNA ID. Please enjoy the holiday season and join me on January 10th for episode one of season two. Also, tune in to hear me guest host episode six of Beyond Bizarre True Crime in a brief episode about the disappearance of Sandra Crispo that aired last week. If you love DNA ID and want to share some holiday cheer with the show, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. As a brand new 2021 show, we are still trying to expand our audience and five-star reviews really help make that happen. And remember, if you get one of those home DNA kits for Christmas, upload your profile to GEDmatch and opt in so you can help catch a bad guy. And if you're one of the bad guys, they're coming for you.